getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com/rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fenn. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fenn takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. Ends on court. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. It is Chad Jensen. It is Zach Kelberman. Coming to you, live simulcast here, the Huddle Up podcast on YouTube and Facebook. I'm Chad Jensen. This is my co-host, Zach Kelberman. We uh, we cover your Denver Broncos for Mile High Huddle, a Sports Illustrated channel. We're absolutely overjoyed to join you. Thanks for joining us tonight here, live on YouTube. Those of you with us there and on Facebook. Zach, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm good. I'm feeling really nice about this Drew Locke victory chat. We were talking about it off air just a minute ago. Um, I don't really think Broncos fans are making too much of the victory. I know some fans are kind of trying to kind of temper expectations about his performance. I happen to think it was a big, hopeful glimpse for the future, so I'm feeling good riding high from his second straight victory. I know. On one hand, you can understand how, especially – outside perspective, let's say the national perspective. I, I can understand, and even Vic Fangio today at the podium, going pumping the brakes on any long-term implications. I get it. It's only been two games. The first game, I mean, he was really good in the first quarter, and then Rich Scangarello completely battened down the hatches, dialed it down, powered down the offense, and it was just, you know, try and eke out a win. 
but they opened up the offense in Houston yesterday on Sunday against, against the Texans. And they showed trust faith. I mean, showed some creative design from Scangarello and you saw what Drew Locke is, which is a dynamic, extremely talented young quarterback that not only has the measurables, right. And the, and the traits and the tools, but dude, he's also got the intangibles and that's the missing link. That's what puts the whole thing together. Because if you looked at Paxton Lynch as an example, he had everything you, 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 the teams drool over in terms of traits and tools. It was the on the tangible side. It was the intangibles that he lacked. The flip side to that, Chad Kelly, you know, had the arm, had the athleticism. He had a lot of the tools and traits that teams covet. Million dollar arm, nickel head. But Drew Locke has the right balance of both, and that's what to me, Zach, is so encouraging about what the future could hold. I, I you know, look, I won't go quite so far as to say this is the guy for the next ten years. But even just two games, what it's told me, basically what your column said yesterday, he deserves 2020. Right. It was enough for me. 2020, this is Drew Locke's team. No offseason QB competitions. It's full uh, faith and support of the organization. Let's go. Yeah, no indecision, no dragging your feet, no competitions, no one nipping at his heels or looking over his shoulder, Chad. It should be the Drew Locke show in 2020, regardless of anything else. And I know he only two starts. I know he's not a perfect quarterback. He's far from it, but he's doing all this in his second professional game, Chad. He is setting records. He's throwing for over 300 yards. He's getting the Broncos past that um, that point threshold that they couldn't cross for a while 24 points I think it was he got them way over that against a really good playoff caliber opponent you yep. already see the, the breadcrumbs you already see glimpses of the big painting and in, in full when we do finally get that big picture Chad I think he's going to be a very good quarterback for a very long time in the first half I remind everyone that he the, I think the biggest I think the most points the Broncos have scored and it was a couple times this year was 23 points they hadn't gotten to 24 as you said they got to 31 in the first half in Houston against mm. a playoff caliber team so we're, we'll talk more about it first just a couple of quick matters of business and again welcome to everybody who's been hanging out in the room and who have joined us live we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here yes. and uh, Dylan we're going to get to what you have to say here in just one second first just a couple of quick matters of business you guys make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod that's the best way for you to stay in touch with not only the news and, and what's breaking on your Denver Broncos, but what's happening with the Huddle Up podcast in real time. And then head on over, if you haven't done this, to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review. That helps out the show tremendously. And then it also enters you into our monthly giveaway, our drawing. We'll, we'll pick one or two names out of a hat who review the show on Apple Podcasts. We'll send them a hat. We'll send them a shirt as a thank you for supporting the show. It's a great organic way for you to support the Huddle Up podcast. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. All right, Zach, let's jump here. Man, the the comment stream is on fire already tonight, but I got to grab our boy Dylan here real quick with a $5 donation on Super Chat. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate you, brother. He says, hard not to be excited about Locke returning to Missouri next week. And that brings up one of the most compelling and salient storylines heading into week 15, which is Drew Locke's homecoming. So most people know, obviously, he went to Missouri. Uh, He was a Missouri Tiger. But he grew up as a kid in Lee Summit, which is about 22 miles outside of Kansas City. He grew up as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I mean, just like people who grew up in Denver and surrounding suburbs. You grow up a Broncos fan. Same for him. Now, one thing separating him from, say, Shane Ray, he's probably not going to go out and get uh, – he's smart enough to not go out and get a <laughs> you know, Chief Arrowhead tattooed right. in his shoulder. That's all old news for him. That was the Drew Locke little kid Chiefs thing. He's a Bronco now to the bone, and he's going home, and he's going to try and break this ignominious streak, Zach, eight consecutive wins. The last time the Denver Broncos defeated the Kansas City Chiefs was in – Week two of the 2015 season, that was September 17th. And I know this off the top of my head because I'm working on a piece on this topic that you guys can check out here about 30 minutes after we're done with the pod. It'll go live. But that's how long it's been. Eight consecutive losses, and everyone's dying to see whether or not this magic – That I mean, no one expected Drew Locke, very few people I should say. No one is an absolute. Very few people expected Drew Locke to go into NRG Stadium and knock off an 8-4 and four Houston Texans squad uh, it'll be curious to see if he can make some magic two weeks in a row, Zach. Yeah, you know, he made a little waves after he was drafted by staying, saying that he was sticking to his Kansas City Chiefs roots and he'd still, I believe the comment was he'd still follow them or it wasn't going to be so easy to give up that allegiance to them. But then he, if some people remember, he went on Snapchat and flew that Broncos flag when he went to his parents' home in Missouri. So yep. he still has that Broncos loyalty already sewn into him. And going into Kansas City, it's a great point that I haven't really thought of. Not only is it a division rival with Mahomes, it's his homecoming in Missouri. He will be motivated to play and perform well. Again, though, a win and loss doesn't really matter. If he can hang with Mahomes, even a banged-up Mahomes coming out of that Patriots game, that would be all it takes for me to anoint him uh, another successful week of starting for the Broncos this week. I just want to see progression, and I want to see him just play his game, play loose and carefree like a true gunslinger. What Vic Fangio said he wants to see is a clean game, meaning no interceptions. Both times Drew Locke has started, he's thrown an interception each game. He still has a healthy touchdown-to-interception ratio sitting right now at 5-2, and 5-2-2, two, 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 I should say, but a clean game. And when you're going against a, an elite opponent, and you can argue whether or not this, this version of the Chiefs is an elite opponent, but if you're going against a quality opponent, let's just say that, the margin of error is slim. Now, Drew Locke was fortunate that the Broncos' defense bailed him out of that interception against the Chargers, and uh, the Chargers ended up having to punt on the ensuing possession. Crisis averted, and he was lucky that the interception that he threw trying to target Cortland Sutton 
picked off by Tashawn Gibson in uh, Houston that the Broncos lead was so, I mean, there it was still, I think a three score lead when that happened, there was, there was just no chance for the Texans to, you know, make him really pay for that. So got lucky in both cases. And, you know, as Vic Fangio said, Zach, you want to see in a perfect world, you want to see him play a clean game, but you know what, if you come out and play in a dynamic way, push the ball down the field, you know, convert on third down and score when you're in the red zone, you can get away with, right. you know, a three touchdowns to one interception, you know, as long as it's not the worst timing. And by the way, Donald, our old friend, longtime listener and supporter of the show, jumping in with a $20 donation you, on Don. Super Chat. Appreciate you, Don. Um, so, yeah, it'll be – it'll. he's got to play a clean game, as clean as he can, but I'm not so much worried about that, Zach. I'm more worried about him being more of the Week 14 version of Drew Locke than – you know, the dialed back Rich Gangarello scared to do anything week 13 version. I have bad news for Vic Fangio. If he expects Drew Locke to play a game manager role, that's not Locke. He's not going to be an Alex Smith or a Case Keenan. This is a guy who's going to throw for a lot of yards. He's going to make a lot of touchdowns and also some mistakes. He's going to have the occasional interception. That's just his game. The last thing I want the Broncos to do is neuter Drew Locke and make him something he's not. Let him play his brand of football. He will learn from those interceptions. He will learn from those mistakes. He will learn from the bad. It will make him better. I don't want the Broncos to force another square peg into a round hole with him let his confidence be uh, booned and buoyed by his own performance on the field you can tell he's feeling himself after yesterday's game and he even said it i want to just play the game that we all love the 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 way it should be played i don't want the broncos to change that because they're scared of interceptions this season's not about contending it's not about stats it's about his progress and he's going to progress by making mistakes too our friend Rich jumping in with a $4 donation on Super Chat. And also, Rich, we I found out after the fact you were one of the winners from the Apple Podcast giveaway for the month of November. You've got some swag coming to you. It's going in the mail this week, so hopefully you'll have it by the weekend. But uh, $4 donation, he says, roses are red, violets are blue. Drew. Drew. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, let me see here. Driscoll Jones jumping in. $10 donation. Thank you, sir. Been listening to you guys for a minute. Without a doubt, you guys have the best podcast. Appreciate you guys. Keep it up. Triscoll Jones, we appreciate you, brother. We do. There's a lot of good pods out there, but uh, I think Chad and I, you know, we are committed to bringing you the most interactive pod, I would say, and, and to connect with Broncos country the most. So in that sense, I think we uh, we do a pretty good job. Yeah, it is kind of unique in, in how we stumbled upon just deciding to take these pods, every single pod live. It has made our job so much more fun. We look for, I mean, yes. we always have enjoyed doing the pods. Don't get us wrong, but we look forward to these, man. These pods engaging with you guys, talking Broncos in real time with our awesome readers and, and viewers and listeners in real time. You can't beat it. And Stu, arguably the super chat superstars of, of the Huddle Up Thank podcast, you, jumping in. $25 donation. He says, keep up the great work, gents. Thank you. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, Drew Locke, that's that's the thing that Fangio kept hammering on today was, you know, it's too early to anoint him anything or to draw any long-term implications. But I think at this stage, Zach, you know, the be- what's best interest of the Denver Broncos is to, you know, get out in front of this, give him some love. Like, I'm really curious to see what John Elway is going to say in his two – every week he has two public appearances. One is on KOA on the Logan and Lewis show – I think that's Wednesdays, if I'm not mistaken. And then his weekly Elway Access sit down with the team website in which they talk about, you know, the pressing issues of the week. I'm really curious this time around. I mean, 
Elway tipped his cap to him last week, said he was, you know, pleasantly surprised, but he kept it pretty conservative in terms of the praise. But after that dynamic record setting performance of Drew Locke, let's face it, he didn't go into Arizona and, and destroy the Arizona Cardinals. This was the Houston Texans sitting at eight and four. Right. And so I'm really curious to see what Elway has to say about that. That's a really good point. And I think it'll tell us where the Broncos are in terms of being on the same page with Locke, because as we saw, Fangio was very reserved and he was not going uh, too far out of his way to compliment him. But if Elway does, that would show that they have a difference of opinion on how they're handling Drew Locke. If they are on the same page, I think he will be a little tempered. He'll be be a little conservative. But this being his latest quarterback prize, this being the guy he traded up for, I could definitely see Elway uh, doling out the praise and doling out the compliments, considering how well Locke performed. Like you said, Chad, he did not just go in there and throw for 150 yards and escape with a victory. He went in there and dominated a team that just dominated New England. That's a game that's a statement victory in his young career. Also, our another Super Chat superstar, one of the top five that has been supporting the show. Miss Christy jumping in with a $10 donation. Appreciate you. And yeah, she also commented earlier about some lock jerseys going around Broncos country for Christmas. I bet that's going to yeah. be Rack, a very common gift given out in the, the homes of, of Broncos country this holiday season. Brian Greenfield jumping in, $5 Thank donation. You, Appreciate you, bro. He says, I'm thinking DB first as far as the first pick in the draft for the Broncos. You know, it's kind of looking like they're going to end up, Zach, picking somewhere around between 10 and 15 probably is where they end up in the draft. We'll see how the board ends up falling cornerback-wise. The kid from Ohio State, Okuda, he's looking like probably the top corner in this class, but there are a few really good ones, and that's another reason why you need to keep reading milehighhuddle.com because our draft coverage, which is led by Eric Trickle and Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, is – second to none and they're going to be breaking down all of especially the key positions in which the Broncos are weak that they're going to need to build the nest around Drew Locke they're going to be breaking down all those prospects and players so and that'll be happening increasingly more as we get closer to the end of the season but yeah I wouldn't be opposed if I mean if you could get an Okuda in the first round I mean you're not so much worried about Chris Harris Jr. choosing to take his talents elsewhere or, you know, banking on Bryce Callahan coming back from that foot injury. You can give yourself a little insurance policy. I would still prefer, I think, the Broncos get some sort of weapon for Drew Locke, either a, either a burner wide receiver or a tackle on either the left or right side, just to ensure he has the best supporting cast around him. But as a third option, I'd have no problem the Broncos going defensive back in the first round, provided, you know, based on where they pick. This is something that has become increasingly a problem. The more competitive the Denver Broncos become, now that Drew Locke, they have a actually a dynamic quarterback under center. The more competitive the Broncos become, the more you notice how bad this punter situation is for the Denver Broncos. Colby Wadman shanked another one in the, I mean, it wasn't critical, critical, but it was down the stretch of the game. You're thinking, all right, the Broncos, yeah, unfortunately they're going to have to punt. The Texans had just started building up a little offensive momentum considering what happened just a few weeks earlier in Minnesota, blowing that 20 point halftime lead. You're sweating a little just because you never know what's going to happen. You need your punter to boom one 47 to 50 yards down the field. He ends up punting at like 39 yards, Zach, and giving Deshaun Watson a short field. AJ jumping in with a $5 donation here. Appreciate you, bro. He says, we need a punter and not a bad last two weeks for our O-line, which is true. Not horrible for Garrett Bowles. I think the mobility of Locke helps the O-line more than we think. We'll talk about both the Bulls issue and the O-line next, but your thoughts on what the Broncos need to do with the Colby Wadman situation at punter. 
I mean, it's such a, a replaceable position. The Broncos just can't sim- seem to find a, a capable long-term punter. They tried the Marquette King experiment. That didn't work out well. And then King made ways after the fact by, by claiming that Tom McMahon and the Broncos coaches try to change punters, you know, kicking style and the way they operate. And that could be what happened with Wadman. They finally found a guy who is Tom McMahon's BFF, by the way, going back years now. They found a guy they can mold that would kind of toe the company line, and they just don't want to replace him. I don't understand. Again, I don't understand why they don't want, don't want to make that move. Same as a left tackle. Same as a, other personnel moves they can make. There's so many punters out there you can replace that would average better than 39, 40 yards a kick, Chad. It's not like he's booming some punts 60 yards and 70 yards and shanking the occasional punt. This is a guy who's averaging, what, 4 to 2 yards gross per kick and never flipping field position and never being a weapon on special teams. I mean, you boil it down. Their specials have improved a lot from last year in certain areas, but punter is the one mainstay, and I have to point to coaching for that one. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Maybe uh, the Denver Broncos need to listen to that Chris Tripuka on Twitter, the father of Shane Tripuka, the son of the all-timer Frank Tripuka in Denver. I don't know about you, Zach, but he, I don't know, it's almost like once a week he mentions me on Twitter pointing <laughs> to how bad Colby Wadman is <laughs> and why the Broncos need to look at his son Shane, who went undrafted, I think, last year out of, was it Texas A&M, I yeah. think? Um, and he was a good punter. Like I honestly thought, you know, because of the hometown connections and the Tripuka connection, you never know what could happen, but the Broncos just haven't really sniffed his direction. And Tom McMahon, he likes Colby Wadman. I don't know what it is. You gave it a good two years. By the time the season's over, you gave Wadman a two-year audition. He hasn't shown consistency. He hasn't shown progression. The time is has come after this season. They need fresh blood at punter. But, Zach, flipping the page to the offensive line, 
I mean, yeah, when you have a dynamic quarterback who can sense the pressure, has just enough mobility to maneuver in the pocket, get outside the pocket if he needs to, it just does wonders for an offensive line. And even think back to the Peyton Manning days. Now, I mean, he was a statuesque, if not more so than Joe Flacco, those first eight games of this season. I mean, Peyton Manning was not a guy getting outside the pocket and you know breaking tackles and running. He wasn't Deshaun Watson, but he was smart enough with his pre-snap reads, knowing where he's going to go with the ball, sensing pressure within the pocket, that it made his offensive line, and it dated all the way back to his time in Indy, all those years, 14 seasons in Indianapolis, it made average to sub-average offensive linemen look like pro bowlers. Yeah, you know what? I will say this about Bowles. I, he had a pretty good game a couple weeks ago. He's gotten, I'm not going to say better. He he went through a period of stability, a, a brief period of stability there. But he literally took off points on the board yesterday in, in, in yesterday's game uh, with a block on the back penalty that you just can't make. You have to have better awareness of that. But in terms of the overall front five, I thought McGovern played a really good game. And listen, when you consider the fact it's his third starting quarterback he's playing with, the second young starting quarterback he's playing with, and this is a guy playing center for the first time full-time in his career I thought he's doing a pretty good job there taking over that pivot spot so the O-line as a whole I think got better but I'm not ready to anoint Bowles as a a fixed product I think he's still hampering the Broncos offense the Broncos ended up still being able to get a touchdown on the board on that possession where Bowles's penalty wiped a Philip Lindsay TD off the board they lucked out there I should say he lucked out but the team did luck out they still got their seven points he has shown improvement He's, he's good enough from an execution perspective, from blocking the pass protection and the run blocking. You can get by with him as your left tackle. It's the penalties that continue. I mean, this isn't a guy that's just a sieve in terms of giving up pressure left and right. It's the penalties. And the problem with that, Zach, is you just never know when that's going to jump up and right. bite you in the rear end and completely torpedo whether it's, you know, what if the Texans had come back in that game and the Broncos have to go down the field and, you know, get a field goal or get a touchdown to secure the win or whatever it might be. It's always in those least most, the, the most inopportune times when Bowles' face palms tend to happen. And that's why the Broncos, hopefully up to this point, they figured it out. You, he can't be trusted to be the left tackle anymore. I think he's done enough beyond 2019 to show that, you know what, he's got some upside still. He's got something from a physical perspective to keep him around as a swing tackle. You could do a lot worse than Garrett Bowles as your swing tackle. But to make him the grandfathered, incumbent, unquestioned starter going into 2020, they're flirting with disaster if they do that, Zach. It, it can't happen. And in terms of playing the position, Chad, I think penalties are part of that. So if he's just committing penalties and 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 lack of discipline and holding guys and committing personal fouls, that's part of the job. And and he's failing in that respect. The only difference I see in a Drew Lock powered offense is the Broncos are finally capable now of overcoming that Bulls penalty. They're finally capable of overcoming a setback. They can get the Good ball point. in the end zone without you know worrying about Bulls torpedoing their whole offense. So that yeah. is where I think the Drew Lock experience takes it from a Flacco level to a new level. Excellent point. Micah jumping in here with a question that caught my attention. He says, why does Scangarello's play calling look so great in the first half and then fall off in the second half again? And let me explain that, and then we're going to get to Carla here. NFL coaches, especially on the offensive side, it's a tradition, especially in the West Coast offense that was established under Bill Walsh back in the 80s and continued under any of the coaches who coach in that tree and includes Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, and now, of course, Rich Scangarello, they script. So going into a matchup, they they watch the film. They see where their opponent is 
weakest, where they feel like they can attack. Then they go to the drawing board and they literally put together a 15 to 20 play script that they stick to at the beginning of the game. That's why when you've heard Zach and I say, look, there's no doubting Scangarello's offense can work in the NFL because we've seen it produce when he's on the scripted portion of it. What happens after that, though? Well, the team, the opponent adjusts to the, your, to the way you played them, and especially coming out of the half, those adjustments, you, you've seen Scangarello fail to counter-adjust. And play calling in the moment, it's a gut thing. It's a, it's a uh, strategic thing. Like, there's a lot of different moving parts, but a lot of it is a gut feel. You know, it's, a, it's an intuition. It's a knack-type deal. Wade Phillips, for example, it's the other side of the ball. I've been telling people forever, he's not some Belichick X's and O's wizard. What he is, is he's extremely talented at knowing when, what in the right moment, when to call what play that's going to get the best result. And that's something that, you know, you're, it, it's honed over years and years of calling plays. Scangarello's still figuring that out. And one thing, Zach, that I think has also come out in the wash with regard to Scangarello as a play caller is his mindset. So much of the the complexion of an offense or defense it takes on is based on the mindset of the play caller. And Scangarello has played, let's say, you know, the phrase coaching not to lose. Mm-hmm. Vic Fangio talked about this after the game uh, in Houston. He said he was asked what was different about Rich Scangarello. I mean, that offense was night and day better than we've ever seen from this unit up to this point. And he basically said that we went in this game trying to win, not hoping to win, right. Zach. So it's a complete mindset difference. And I think having a dynamic quarterback there under center is encouraging Scangarello to open it up and be more confident and loose and aggressive with his play calling. That was my biggest knock, and I think a lot of Broncos fans knock on Scangarello, is that he, he can game plan with the best of them, obviously, Chad. He was opening up every game with a solid script. He would perform uh, well on their opening drive, but just you know disappear in the second halves of games. And that's when he has to rely on himself, as you mentioned, his gut and his confidence as a play caller. But just as a rookie quarterback, he's a rookie coordinator, and they grow with repetition. They grow with experience. They grow by failing, and they can get better. Yesterday's game was a turning point, not just for Locke, but also Scangarello in the sense that they weren't conservative in the second half. They didn't let up. They put points on the board. He still called a masterful game. And when you finally have the quarterback playing to his his coaching strengths, uh, that's what happens. It's just like you have to give him time. That's why the the fans calling for him to be fired after the first season, Scangarolo, was so premature and so knee-jerk. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You're seeing uh, glimpses of what a dynamic quarterback and a creative offensive mind can do. It's been so long since Denver had either. Now they had both, and you're going to start to see the fruits of the labor pay off. Yeah, it really is going to be fun to see how Scangarello grows and how Locke grows in tandem. You know, they're conjoined at this point. It's going to be fun to see them uh, continue to take shape and grow. And Carla jumps in with a $10 donation. Sorry to keep you waiting there, Carla. And she says, loved how the whole team responded with Locke leading. Attitude reflects the leadership. And I agree with that. I mean, you heard after the game. Well, I mean, you see it. It passes the eye test. You see this team suddenly playing with some swagger, right? With some confidence, with some enthusiasm and passion. When I mean, they, the, a team takes on the complexion of its head coach and its quarterback. That's why this team was so flat in the first half of the season with Joe Flacco, Zach. And you're seeing it come out in the wash. Now, after the game in your column, and by the way, you guys, if you haven't read Zach's column on the Drew Locke situation, what his – second game in his, well, what his first two games 
what the, what that means for the future of him and the Denver Broncos, you got to go to milehighhuddle.com as soon as this podcast is over and read that article, that column. It's phenomenal. But you touched on one of the comments from one of his teammates after the game, which includes an expletive. I'll let you tell that story. But also Jeff Hyerman, you know, saying he was asked about Locke. He talked about his confidence, how it rubs off on everyone, and that the dude is a baller. And that encourages everyone, gives them confidence to go yes. out and play with swagger. Yeah, and Von Miller said it. He's he's an effing rock star about Drew Locke. And, and, and Von's a guy who loves any quarterback in the Broncos locker room. But let me just put, put it this way. Chad and I, we're excited to see Drew Locke. Broncos fans are excited to see Drew Locke. Now compare it to the players on the field who have been with the Broncos the last couple of years, who have sweated and bled and cried over this team and, and been suffering through bad quarterbacking and bad offensive play. Now they finally have that glimmer of hope under center. They finally have that spark plug. And you just see the way they're congealing around Drew Locke. You see the way they're rea- rallying to him, and a lot of this isn't hyperbole. A lot of this isn't just words. It's true emotion and true feeling they feel inside that they've been lacking, that they've wanted to feel for the last three years since Peyton Manning, four years, that they just haven't been able to find. There's been glimpses, there's been teases, there's been previews, but I think the, the players inside that locker room going to battle every single day next to Drew Locke knows this is different. This is the real deal. This is the franchise guy, and it's, it's certainly exciting in Dove Valley. Certainly exciting times right now. Brian jumping in with a $10 donation Thank on you, Super Brian. Chat. He says, yeah, AJ, it's amazing how much better our O-line looks without a statue behind center. Ha ha. We don't need a punter when we score on every drive in the first half. <laughs> hey, that's good a point. good point. That's a good point. But here's the thing, though, Brian, something to keep in mind. I love the swagger that uh, that's even rubbing off on you, my friend, from Drew Locke. The thing to keep in mind is, again, the more competitive the Denver Broncos are going to be with Drew Locke in, in, under center, the more they're going to have crucial key situations in games. And its field position is going to eventually matter significantly. You're not going to get out to a 31-3 lead in each and every game. And if you're going to be competitive and you're going to put it to teams and you know teams are eventually going to figure it out, they're going to respond, and then you're going to have to you know, counter-adjust, et cetera. Eventually, you're going to have key moments in games, and that's when you need your specialists, your kickers to come through in those on those field goal attempts like you saw Brandon McManus do in week 13, and your punters to flip field position and at least not squander uh, your team you know, or squander an opportunity to, to pin a team back or, or kill the field position battle. So it's something to keep in mind here. AJ says, you guys should try to get some players on the pod. It's something that uh, we'll consider as we go along, but it'll be hard to do live that's something that we'll have to try and spitball as we get a little bit further into figuring out the this live platform aspect of the huddle up podcast and aj thank you for the donation yes one of our super chat superstars chris hernandez jumping in with a 21 dollar donation on super chat you know one thing zach that occurred to me on this article and video i was telling you i'm working on that'll go live on milehighhuddle.com about within about a half an hour after the end of this pod the Denver Broncos, from the time Peyton Manning hung up his cleats, they went through six starting quarterbacks. Trevor mm-hmm. Simeon, Brock Osweiler, let me name them all. Paxton Lynch. Please don't. Case Keenum, <laughs> Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, that's six. Drew Locke is number seven. And seven, as all Broncos fans know, has a special and unique magical meaning to the Denver Broncos, if that being the seventh quarterback post-Super Bowl 50 to take the reins as a starter is not an encouraging and positive omen and harbinger of what the future holds for Drew Locke, you know, maybe I'm getting a little too far out over my skis <laughs> here, Zach, but I think that's that's the football fates, you know, trying to telegraph something down to uh, John Elway and Vic Fangio. 
And also the fact that he jumped out to a record-setting start as a Broncos quarterback and tying a record held by John Elway. So there's a many parallels to Elway, and we're not you know, starting this dot connecting. He has a long ways to go, Locke, before he's even in the consideration with John Elway. But uh, there's some definite uh, foreshadowing there. Yes, Rich, you silly Billy. That's where the Mile High Huddle is on Sports Illustrated. It's a Sports Illustrated channel, my friend. So when you go read, you can go to milehighhuddle.com and then it, immediately turns into si.com all the content goes up on si so yes absolutely we are affiliated with sports illustrated one more here guys and then we're going to get out of here a a big one from zachary love it he says micah bradley that's a tough one i'm not sure what he was saying here but or what he's referring to but he goes i like the way Locke was able to target the options uh they already have although smaller speedier options would complement the six four guys like Fant, sutton and patrick quite nicely but we need to strengthen that o-line not just protect lock but to open up better holes for the running game what makes this an easier choice is if deshaun hamilton or tim patrick show solid chemistry with lock and become a solid number two then i say o-line all the way the Good denver point. broncos are going to go, go try and find some dynamic speed at wide receiver in this draft zach they have the big you know, physical, go vertical, go up and get the ball, position, uh, possession receivers who can run the slant, secure the catch, run the curl, secure the catch, be dangerous in the red zone. What they need is that dynamic receiver who can break the game wide open between the 20s, you know, and, and Emmanuel Sanders offered that, especially in his prime. He's long gone. That cancer's gone from the Denver Broncos locker room. They need to find some kind of a replacement to that. It's not a skill set that fits Deshaun Hamilton. Juwan Winfrey has a, I think, has a sizable ceiling, but it's not even a skill set that really fits him. So maybe Deontay Spencer, but the, for whatever reason, the coaching staff just have, hasn't shown a propensity or an interest in featuring him in the offense. You have every one of your positions on offense, maybe except for left tackle, set for the future. You have a young core nucleus. The only position you don't have filled in that role is a burner wide receiver. So I absolutely agree they need that. It's it's crucial for Locke's arm strength. It's crucial to keep the defense honest. But one thing about the Broncos running game, it's been a little sluggish lately. I don't think Scangarello has really blended Freeman and Lindsey's skill sets together. But now that Locke is showing out, now that the NFL is catching on to his big arm and his propensity to make big plays, that will open up running lanes for Freeman and for Lindsey. I suspect the Broncos in their next game will run the ball a lot better than they have the previous two games. I agree. I agree with that. Brian says, yeah, I was joking. Never liked our punter. All right. You know, sometimes in the written text, like when you text it out, I tell this to people all the time, including I have to remind my teenage sons who are texting girls and texting friends. You can't interpret tonality very easily through the written or texted word. And so sometimes, you know, a host on a podcast might not pick up on your on your comments. So my apologies, Brian. Uh, I'm sure you were joking on that. One last one here. Paul jumping in at the 11th hour, Zach. Thank you, Paul. $20 donation on Super yeah. Chat. And Paul has also been one of our loyal and long-standing supporters on Super Chat and with the podcast long before we were, were doing these live podcasts. So, Paul, appreciate you, brother. And each and every one of you for joining us live, giving us you know a half an hour of your Monday evening. We got a game that's going on by now i'm not watching it we're doing the pod but you got a lot of different things that you could be doing and you're listening and and joining us and viewing us here live on the podcast and we really appreciate each one of you for doing that and especially massive mile high salute to our super chat superstars thank Thank you you. yes you guys could be anywhere in the world but you're here with us and we appreciate that All right, you guys, that's got to do it, though, for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. A reminder, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. 
You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. A reminder, head on over to milehighhuddle.com right now, as soon as this podcast ends, and check out Zach's column that he debuted on Sunday. Phenomenal breakdown. You'll love reading it. It'll give you the warm and fuzzies about the direction this team is headed with Drew Locke at the helm. Check that out. And, guys, we'll be back Wednesday evening with a fresh pod. It might be a little bit later than our typical 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff. If it's going to be a little bit later, we'll let you guys know on Twitter. We'll try and let you know with a scheduled, um, you know, when we schedule that. But just kind of be ready for it possibly because I might be traveling that day and uh, it might be a little bit later than usual. And when I say a little, you know, maybe seven mountain instead of six mountain. So be ready for that. But Zach, have a good start to your week, my brother. You too. Safe travels, Chad. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday evening. Go check out in the meantime, all of our written and video content at milehighhuddle.com for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.